You're listening to Actors Endurance, a podcast that inspires actors to never give up on their passion and find ways to continue to grow within the entertainment industry. My name is Shanette Wilson, and I'm an actress, and my co-host is Marlon Hargrave, and he is a teaching artist. And together, we are Actors Endurance. Actors Endurance, the podcast. We are greatly happy and ecstatic to bring to you this extraordinary writer. Uh, wow, I've known him for most of my life now. And uh, we both hail out of DC. He actually went to Howard. I just hung out at Howard, but he actually went to Howard. Uh, and uh, ironically, when we were in New York, you were going to Columbia. I just finished AMDA. So uh, then he went out west and I came and stayed on the East Coast. But uh, this guy is an extraordinary writer, award-winning writer. Let's give it up for Kari Wyatt. Yes, bring him on in with the thank love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I need you to be my hype man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, anything for, for anybody out of D.C., you know, I got automatic love. And the fact that we have a deeper connection, that's even better for me. How have you been? Sure. I can't complain, man. Everything is doing all right. You know, All right. the standard, so, the standard one day at a time, right? Yeah, in this day and age, yeah, we need to do it like that. Mm. So um, the first thing, this being actors endurance, the first question that we have is one that we ask everyone, and that is, how have you been able to endure for quite some time? Whew. Well, I mean, really, I think, I'm a creative person. I've been a creative person all my life. So really it comes down to, I just feel like this is what God has for me to do. So no matter what the circumstances are, my mission to create overrides any circumstances. And so from the start to the end, till they put me in the ground, I will be creating in some form or fashion. Okay. Oh, nice, nice. And you've done, uh, so in your writing, uh, you've done mainly stage plays, right? Well, I've done screenplays, TV pilots, um, you know, because I went when I was at Columbia, I was getting my MFA in film. And stage stage plays was, was not something I had uh, on my radar. <laughs> I took, I actually, I took a playwriting class as an elective when I was at Columbia with a man named Romulus Lenny. Laura Lenny's father, who was a notable playwright, who I had no idea he was a notable playwright. I just know he was a professor at Columbia. He had a play on Broadway. And so I was taking this elective just to, you know, I'd never tried playwriting before. So I said, you know, let me go and take this elective. And I took it and playwriting kicked my ass. Like <laughs> everything we learned in the film department, you know, show don't tell, you know, less talking, more action was the direct opposite in theater. Like all they do is talk and <laughs> they use limited spaces, right? I can't fade out. I can't cut to, I can't jump to another location. Like we got this stage, we got this set and everything that's going on has to utilize what we have. And I could not do it to save my life. I was terrible. And at the end of the semester, I told Romulus, I was like, look, man, our, our final product was supposed to be a one act play. And I was like, listen, this ain't gonna happen. Like I, <laughs> I've tried, it's not working. Can I turn in one of my screenplays for this final project? 
just so I could pass and move on. And he was good about it. He said, yeah, you can, you can turn in your screenplay. I, I understand. He, he totally understood where I was coming from. But I said, I promise you, before I leave the earth, I will write a full length play. <laughs> and so about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I wrote a play. My first full length. You know, I had tried before the, over, over the years, a, a little one act here, a little scene there, and still garbage. You know, so <laughs> 10 years ago was the first one I wrote that was actually, hey, that's pretty good. Let me keep working on it. Wow. Now, how long did it take you to write that? Wow. See, that's a, when you're talking to a writer, it's like <laughs> it's, never, it's never finished, right? So, I mean, I've been working on that play for 10 years. I, st- I had a reading in October. <laughs> at a theater out in Santa Monica, the Morgan Wixon Theater, New Works Festival. And even now, I was changing lines and doing things to it. So, I mean, really, I would say probably a year to get a good draft, and then years of workshops and readings to keep honing and keep honing and keep honing. And I mean, until it's on the stage produced or on the screen produced, and they're actually doing it right now, today, it's never finished. You know, there's always something you see or hear you can change or whatever. But like for the actual initial first draft, like a year. Okay. Wow. I'm going to show this to actors that I train because they always want to change the lines. And I'm like, listen, man, you have no idea how much work a writer puts into their work just for you to come in and change it because it's inconvenient. You better dig a little deeper. See, that's right. It's never just happenstance, right? Everything you put in there is for a reason. It came from somewhere and it's related to these characters. Now, actors do make good suggestions. I mean, that's the other part of the process. It's like, you know, you don't know everything and you don't also always know as a writer how it's going to come out, how it's going to impact once it's spoken out loud, right? So the actors play a great part in us creating our work. You know, when you go through the workshop process, you go through readings, you go through rehearsal processes, and actors, once they dig down and, and learn their character, they're like, you know, I don't know if the character would this way or that way, or would they, you know, so on and so forth. So they have a part to play, but not just to do it on their own volition, right? It's a part of a team, it's part of a process. And, you know, I've taken actor suggestions before. I'm like, you know what, I never thought of it that way. Let me look at it. And I go back and like, yeah, they were right. Let me rewrite that scene. Let me change that dialogue here. And it made you know it better. What? You're the first writer that I've heard even say that, actually. That's wild. Out of all these years, I've never heard a writer say that an actor's input actually was part of the process. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Have you seen that? Have you, have you heard of that from a writer? Yeah, but uh, it's it's after, you know, the actor has done the work. Because a lot of times the actor doesn't do the work. They'll just read it one or two times and they don't like what the writer has written. It doesn't make sense to them. Then they want to change it. But do the work first. Like you said, understand the character. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, go through the whole process of really, like, immersing yourself in that world. And then decide, well, you know what? Okay, well, maybe the character wouldn't do... I think that's the difference. You know, when you do the work, then yeah, okay, yeah, you make the suggestions, people are more open to them, I think. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. It's so like if you're like I said in a workshop process or a rehearsal process, you know, director's working and everybody's vibing and this, that, you know, I might hear something and change it 
on my own. But you know, sometimes the actors, like I said, will say, "Hey, what about this?" I'm like, "Damn, you're right." I didn't think about that. You don't know everything. Like some writers like to be God, you know, and you have a God complex, which I understand because you're creating this world, these people. But you have to let other people do their thing too. These other people are creative people too. They're creative vessels as well. And they might have a good idea. You know, that's the thing. I just want it to be good. You know, as the writer, your name is still going to be attached to it one way or the other. So let's make it the best it can be. And if the actor has a good suggestion, take that suggestion. Mm -hmm. I agree with you on that one. Wow. So, um, so what, what is your, your favorite genre to write? Drama. Drama. <laughs> yeah, man, I, you know, I tell you, now there'll be humor within it, but you don't do straight comedies like that. Don't, it doesn't come out of me like that. People tell me I'm funny, but that's, it's different being funny, being yourself and sitting in the alley somewhere eating crabs, you know what I mean? And actually, I'm going to be, I'm going to make this comedy. Like, no, everything comes out of me is drama. You know, high stakes, emotional, you know, life, difficult circumstances, adversity, got triumph, you know, drama. Nice, nice. So, uh, least favorite uh, genre to, to write? Your least favorite? Oh, uh, you know, that's interesting. I never thought of that before. Hmm. I'll say comedy. And I only say comedy because comedy is a very specific skill set. And it's not easy to be funny. <laughs> you know, like the object of, of this comedy is to enlighten people in some way through the story, but through laughter. And like, that's its main driving force is the laughter. I don't do that. Like that doesn't come naturally to me at all. So I would say comedy. Could I write a comedy? Maybe, maybe I'll try it one day, but it's not indigenous to my creative spirit. Okay, okay. Got you, I, I like that, I like that. So um, a question that I ask writers periodically is because I love stage combat so much. How mm. come writers, especially in stage, how come writers don't write stage combat into their, their scenes? That's interesting, I do. I have Dude, fights. I have fights here and there, you know. I don't know why. That's a good question. I don't know. I think maybe, and that's probably because I have a cinematic mind. So I come from that world of TV and film. So I'm like, no, they can it's, they can people fight. You know, people rest, you know, people have disagreements and they get down, right? Why should a theater be any different? So I do. Other people, maybe they don't have that cinematic background or they don't look at the world in those terms. Like to me, it's real. And so I don't know, I don't know why other people don't as much. Wow. Now, I, the reason that I mention that is because I always felt like musicals had an advantage over legit theater because of the energy. And you know what taught me that was Blue Man Group. I was like, yeah. they didn't say any dialogue. And that thing was on Broadway for what, over 20 years? Mm -hmm. You know? And I'm sitting over there stomping all of that, and I'm like, oh my God, they're not even acting anymore. <laughs> so what really got me was, and somebody said, it's the energy, Marlon. I was like, you know what? That is it. It's the energy. A, so, mu a musical is nothing but a concert, right? Yes. And, 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 the, and the acting informs the music. It's, yep. it's, 
It's a concert. That's what a musical is. At the end of the day, people remember the songs. They don't necessarily remember the dialogue. Right. So, you know, if you're a person who loves live music, you probably would like musical theater. You know, people are dancing, they're singing. You big numbers, big sets, flying in, flying out. You know, I went to see Ragtime, a damn little house came and floated from the ceiling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, what's, it's an experience. It's, so they can do more in theory with the music and the dancing and, you know, and, and the props and the set design and everything than you would see in a legit theater because the legit theater is supposed to be more realistic. Everybody sees a, a musical is not realistic. Nobody stops and starts singing in the real world when you go outside talking to somebody. Good morning, sir. Eh, you know, no, that ain't real life. So it's like a, it's a performance. It's a concert. It's those things. So that's why it's popular. You know, everybody can feel good about a musical. You know, you going to see a, a legit play with you know August Wilson or Charles Fuller. You know, you, you don't necessarily feel good about Sergeant Waters, right? <laughs> so I just want to make you feel good, you know? Oh, that's true. Soldiers play. Now, I've never seen that live. Of course, I've seen, I've read the play and mm -hmm. I saw, you know, the movie oh, version, yeah. Howard and Denzel, which was a damn good movie. Very good. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right because uh, a lot of those plays, even Neil Simon, and you go back to Mamet and Shepard. Like you left the theater thinking and contemplating on how you could make life different. It wasn't like you were leaving and going, I just, you know, I was a great, great, you know, you're like, oh. you leave the theater wanting to sing after you see a musical, right? You can't sing, but man, I might take some vocal lessons. I want to, I want to dance, you know, all of these things. It may, everybody's high. Everybody's high when they leave. If it's, yeah. it's well done, you know, but like I said, legit theater, that's not his purpose. His purpose is more to make you think make you feel something, make you take something away from it that you carry with you. And hopefully whatever that change is that needs to happen in you happens, you know, and that might be a seed. So it's not designed to, which I think is another part of the reason why theaters are having trouble. Like after the pandemic, you know, everybody was home for what, a year, two years, <laughs> whatever it was. And you know, economic, you know, economically things were depressed for quite a while. And for some people, it still is. And people had health issues and passed away. After that, people wanted to feel good. I bet you, if you look at the the uh, revenues from musicals on Broadway, I bet you those are doing really well. But like plays about real life, told like in a in a, a straight up form, maybe people don't have the stomach for it. Oh man. You know, I think that's part of it. And like I said earlier, when we were talking before we started, I think also a part of it is the audience is older. They don't have the same energy. They don't have the same money, <laughs> you know, so they can't donate as much as they used to. They don't have the money to spend like they used to. They have to make decisions. So now instead of going to see that movie, maybe they keep their streaming subscriptions, you know, so they can be entertained at home all these proliferation of guns and all these mass shootings. I think some people don't want to be in crowds for that reason. So I think it's like a, a, an amalgamation of different things that are causing theater to have issues with attendance after the after the pandemic. And also costs are rising for the theaters. That's a, the cost to rent theaters, the cost to produce the plays through the different unions. 
all that keeps going up, but they're not getting the same money from the you know philanthropic ends that they used to. Mm. The and the government here in America, for whatever reason, does not value the arts like in Europe. Like when I was at Columbia, I had friends from all over Sweden, West, I mean Germany, all over London, paid for by their government. 